Episode of Mysterious Universe. My name's Benjamin Grundy. <laughs> no, it's Chris. I was just joking. You're not really listening to Mysterious Universe. You're listening to G7 Radio, Episode 3. This month's episode, we're going to be talking about all things Haitian with Jordi Samaleski of Propagandy and the Canada Haiti Action Network. So we suggest you stay tuned because down there it's an. Intervention from their 1985 LP entitled Animosity. Speaking of intervention, well, actually, I guess it's not really an intervention, but we'll let George tell us all about that. Hi! <laughs> all right, well, uh, here we are, G7 Radio. Yeah, we're, we've, we've got a special, very special guest, guest today. Who special do we have with guest. us here? Got his feet up on our desk, he's got a beer in his uh, hand. I changed my socks too. We have Jordi Samoleski Meow. in the office today in G7 Radio. Yeah. Who is Jordi Samoleski, Chris? Jordi, are Me. You the, <laughs> Jordi, are you the drummer for Propagandy? That is correct. And we have, we have Jordi here today. Good smelling man. As a representative of, of Chan, Chan, the Can- Canada Haiti Action Network. Yep. Jordi has been uh, involved for the past couple years now i'd say well the local group got started last july with a protest that was focused on Derek Ed- riel has <laughs> called jordan samoleski the best drummer in hardcore jord of the canadian haitian action network yes 
the Canada Haiti Action Network. Where is Haiti? Haiti is in the Caribbean. It happens to be the poorest country in the region. It also happens to have less than 1% of its uh, original forest intact. It's been fucking probably the most environmentally degraded area perhaps in the world. And it has the, uh, the largest concentration of uh, between uh, the largest gap in, in wealth in the Caribbean. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, I think... Larger than Jamaica. Yes, like a larger gap. And uh, big, large gap. And uh, <laughs> uh, shares uh, the island of Hispaniola with the Dominican Republic. Republic. Now, I believe in the 1800s that Haiti was actually one of the richest places in the Caribbean. Now, you're saying that it's one of the poorest. Mm-hmm. Now, can you give us a rough historical overview? I'm probably not the person to ask on this kind of stuff because I'm not an historian. Expert. But uh, in the early 1800s, Haiti was the first and only successful slave rebellion to uh, basically establish their own state after the, their revolution happened. And since then, it's been a struggle of the Haitian people to basically maintain or try to have their own self-determination basically realized in their own government. They've been subject to all kinds of different colonial and neo-colonial assaults on their sovereignty and on their resources and their wealth for years. And uh, one little thing that Jean-Bertrand Aristide uh, Who is did, he? Who is Jean-Bertrand Aristide? He was uh, the elected president of Haiti twice. Uh, he served uh, two different terms and was booted out of power both times by the Americans. And uh, this this second time in 2004, he was booted out with the tacit help of uh, the Canadians in the form of the JTF2. Uh, A Canadian Special Forces unit. Yeah, Am I correct? Special Forces. And they, it's been confirmed that they, they basically... Uh, secured the airport that uh, Aristide was flown out of the country from. And it's been claimed by the Canadians and the Americans and the French uh, that Aristide basically resigned on that day and he signed a document stating that he was leaving the country under his own free will, but that's been debunked in the last two years. He was, he was forced kidnapped, out. was he not? He was kidnapped and sent to Africa, basically, and he's been living in exile in South Africa ever since. So was Aristide democratically elected at some point? Yes, overwhelmingly so. He was elected by pretty much a 13 to 1 ratio. But the right wing that knew he was going to basically win the election hands down, boycotted the election and then used their own boycott as saying that the elections were unfair. And they cited a few voting irregularities in a few districts that basically they had a problem with. And that's been cited like numerous times as basically why the first world had a problem with those elections, why they weren't seen as legitimate. But after the fact, Aristide got those people elected in those jurisdictions to resign and open it up to a new round, even though the OAS and a number of bodies that were overseeing those elections basically declared those elections to be free and fair. The UN, the Canadian government itself at the time, declared them to be free and fair and like a model election to follow. You contrast that with the, the most recent elections that have happened down there under 
the tutelage of Elections Canada and a lot of Canadian taxpayer money went down there to oversee the elections. And it was a joke in comparison what they set up for a free and fair election. There was the number of polling stations went from over 3,000 to about 800. There were entire neighborhoods like uh, Cité Soleil is uh, home to about 300,000 people living in the most extreme poverty in the Caribbean and Latin America. And basically, they weren't allowed to have polling stations under this idea that it wasn't secure enough. So they were essentially denied the right to vote. Pretty much. And what they did was they set up uh, polling stations outside of the periphery of these neighborhoods. But I mean, the, the preceding elections where Aristide was elected, there, there was polling stations all over these areas. It was you know, more or less spread evenly throughout the country. And this time it's like, you know, they have them on the periphery of these neighborhoods. They're, they're super concentrated areas of polling stations in the rich and wealthy neighborhoods. It was clearly a designed election to try to produce a result opposite of what actually happened down there, which was the election of Preval, which a lot of people basically perceive as an election for Aristide and for the Lavalas movement, uh, which was basically outlawed since Canada and the Americans and the uh, French basically started meddling down there under US, UN cover. So, Jordy, you're, you're, you're saying that Aristide was removed from power, from democratically elected power by the US, Canada, and the French. Yeah. How does that contrast with previous um, officials? In Haiti, were they democratically elected? Who were they? Well, for many years, it was the Duvalier dictatorships lasted for over 30 years. And I think that after they were forced out of power, there was one election that wasn't really, uh, I believe Leslie Maniga was the name of the guy. I might be pronouncing that wrong. But uh, there was some guy who was sort of like a, a hand-picked appointee under under. under like a quasi sort of legit election, but he was just basically like uh, following like IMF, World Bank dictates. And uh, and the, the other thing about Aristide himself, I think there's a lot of uh, concern that he was sort of like this charismatic leader who, you know, appealed to the poor. He was a liberation theologist who, uh, who was a very strong speaker, but he, he was sort of you know, he was the the supreme leader of this movement, which wasn't the case. There was over 3,000 elected officials on different branches of government and different levels of government that were also tossed out when Aristide was taken out of power. Their entire Lavalas party, or Fanmi Lavalas party, which uh, developed out of the Lavalas movement, which was a grassroots coalition of of people's interests, basically, that, that's what put him into power. So he was the figurehead of this huge movement. And outside of those 3,000 people who were basically booted out when Canada and the U.S. and the French started meddling down there in February 2004, and prior to that, in their destabilization sort of period leading up to the coup, there's been like uh, over 1,000 people, it's estimated, that are still in jail down there being held as political prisoners, it's been estimated in the last two years that 10,000 people have died as a real result of political repression. And right now, like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, fucking this Gerard Latortue, who's been the, uh, the appointed interim uh, president of the country, 
he's being legitimately recognized in Canada. He just met with Stephen Harper like a week and a half ago and was meeting with the prime the, minister, Stephen Harper. Yeah. Prime minister, Stephen Harper of Canada and with Jean Charest, the premier of Quebec, he's meeting on all these legit people in Canada as the president elect Preval has basically been going around South America, trying to make, you know, doing all the initial sort of state visits with all the countries down there, Venezuela, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, all that. And up here, we're still honoring this guy who's basically, a lot of people want him charged as a war criminal for what's been happening down there, which is systematic fucking repression of poor neighborhoods and trying to disassemble the the Lavalas sort of movement or or the new form of that, which like because basically they other candidates ran under that banner in the last election that were like literally uh, the the Fanmi Lavalas candidate was a former World Bank official and so the last time they ran when Aristide was in when he won the second time he got a huge like overwhelmingly the huge huge amount of support it's obvious the 92% I think it was yeah 92% there's this huge gap between the rich and poor the poor obviously know who to vote for and and some of the achievements that uh that they did have in their short period of of uh of being in power they i think in one four year period they built more schools than had ever been built in the history of Haiti in 4 years and that's not to say too, too much, but like, like with a country that had barely any schools or hospitals to begin with, like it's just a place that's been so overexploited that the poverty is just staggering. It's just, uh, and uh, so this little tiny bit of progression has been fucking just seen as too much by the powers that be in the West. Um, one thing I wanted to mention about France earlier was uh, with the struggle for independence that they won in 1807, this was independence. It was a it was a French colony that had African slaves brought by the French. Yeah, and then they rebelled against the the French colonists. Yeah, successfully. And, yeah, successfully they booted them out. But then the French basically said, "Okay, you owe us this amount for yourselves as slaves. You have to buy yourselves." Sounds for reasonable. This price. Yeah, the Haiti had to pay that fi- this figure off over sixty years. It took them to finally pay France off from what the original f- French demands were. They honored that to gain their independence. And now Aristide, was, he was starting to develop a plan to ask France for some of that money back. And greedy, now greedy he's gone. Man. I wonder why. And so, that's, that's only one little thing. Like, Well, Jord, I think uh, maybe we should break for a song here. Yeah, time for a break. Uh, yeah, what yeah, do you want to hear? Sounds good. What do you want to hear, Jord? Oh, this is a song I like to put on late at night to after a hard day. You know, you kind of thinking get about yourself Haiti. down, and you know, you start thinking, "Holy shit, how can I cope in this world of copious fucking bullshit?" Right. And uh, play this maximus. one. It makes me laugh for about a minute or two. Anyway, anyways, what?
7 Radio, the radio you cannot live without. Norman Navratsky listens to G7 Radio on the road, in the bathtub, sitting on the toilet. Norman Navratsky recommends everybody listens to G7 Radio. Got it? Nesdorovia. And we are back. We heard Creator with Ripping Corpse from Pleasure to Kill. I love it that people are requesting, actively requesting Creator. That record came out in 1986. It was an excellent year for speed metal. Let me just run by some of the uh, releases that came out that year. I believe it was Roar. I was eight years old. From Voivod. Uh, Game Over, Nuclear Assault. Of course, Rain and Blood. Bedtime for Democracy. That's not really speed metal, is it? No, uh, no, it's it's not. Um, anyways, Don Johnson, Heartbeat. So we're back here with uh, Jord from Propagandy and the Canada Haiti Action Network discussing, uh, well, Haiti. The question, I guess I'm maybe our listeners are wondering and what I'm wondering is why? You know, if, if Aristide, you know, was trying to help the population. He was a popularly, democratically elected government. Why are, these, why are there these forces from the West, France, Canada, and the U.S.? What interests? Who, who are they supporting? Have? Yeah, well, who, in the, who in the country are they supporting? The, the, the opposition parties that they're funneling money to. Why, you know, what's the ideological motivation behind that? Well, what the, how they'll represent that in the corporate media is basically saying that they're going down there to reconstruct a failed state and that uh doctrine and ideology was first i think i believe first presented to the un by jean chrétien and has been backed by former prime minister of former Canada. yeah and uh former reserve sheriffs <laughs> <laughs> and uh but basically, this, this doctrine, R2P as it's known, this, this fucking thing he took to the UN fucking went over terribly. No, no developing nation in the world would even think of signing this kind of thing. It's basically, if your state is deemed as failed or even failing, that gives the right of responsible, or a responsible sort of democratic nations to go down there and save the day and prevent catastrophes from happening. Responsible in quotations. Yes, and that's kind of like the idea that Canada has gotten on board with the Americans and the French down there. It's like, the, these people are so fucked down there that they don't even know how to govern themselves. They don't, you know, they, they vote and they think that they know what they're doing is right. But uh, they, they fucked it all up and we have to go down there and sort of save the, the day for them. It's basically an extension of the white man's burden. It's completely racist and it's completely uh, uh, a design of, of first world sort of versus the poor South kind of uh, thing. But you're saying, you're saying that this is just, this is simply a story uh, that's provided as a cover for, for other ideological intentions or yeah. Yeah. Like that, like corporate interests. Yeah. Well, yeah. If we want to get to that, like, like basically I think what a group like the Canada Haiti action network or, or other groups that it's affiliated with the perspective that they hold is that Canadian foreign policy is uh, has been linked to corporate interests and to certain quote unquote NGO or non governmental organizations. What the fuck's an NGO? 
<laughs> non-governmental organization. And, uh, but, but these, the ones that are operating in Haiti right now that are getting a lot of government money, which begs the question, hmm, are these non-governmental organizations or are they simply... Taking government money. Uh, yeah, taking Canadian money and then doing the bidding for basically what's going on down there. Uh, th there's a large critique being developed right now of showing the money trail between certain so-called alternative and left-based NGOs that are operating down there being funded by the Canadian government. A lot of things that they say is like, you know, yes, we need more schools and hospitals down here, all saying all the right things and at the appropriate times. But when it gets down to criticism of political prisoners or, or accusations about the human rights record in the last two years since Aristide's been taken out and, and these, these cases being openly critiqued by organizations such as Amnesty International, they recognize that the situ human rights situation has gotten way, way, way worse in the last two years after a lot of significant gains under the last Aristide administration in terms of prosecuting and putting people into jail who were, who were basically like belonged to paramilitaries or the former Haitian army that uh, basically operated under the dictatorship, like starting to put these people into prison for certain massacres that they committed or whatever. In the last two years, a lot of these people have been let out and they're starting to be reintegrated into the Haitian National Police. The Haitian army was disbanded uh, a number of years ago and it's estimated that one quarter of the Haitian National Police is now former Haitian army and and there's all kinds of fucked up shit going on like like massacres in soccer stadiums where people are encouraged to come out from pure, poor neighborhoods and then you see these guys and there's tons of footage that, and this is widely documented the the Haitian National Police a lot of their members members like when they're out on patrol and stuff they're wearing fucking black hoods over their heads carrying machetes and fucking fully automatic weapons supplied by the states. It's fucking crazy. And on top of Amnesty International, there's groups like the Harvard School of Law sent a delegation down, the University of Miami. There's a labor council from San Francisco. They're all saying the same thing, like grave human rights record in the last two years since the coup. And this has Canada's fucking bloody fingerprints all over it. So, again, I guess maybe just to... Further elucidate the the why. Oh, elucidate. I've had one of those. <laughs> elucidate in the sky with Derek. <laughs> I have cancer. Uh, um, further to further to the why. I'm ju I'm just wondering. It still seems a little... Oh, why? Oh, why? A little unclear, yes, yes. yeah. I, I rambled well, there on the why. But good information, but yeah, just wondering... Excellent information. Why is the money going to these certain NGOs, and why are these NGOs Behaving acting, as they are. Yeah, well, why are they supporting the opponents? Why of, are you avoiding the question? I'm right have, here, do, I'm listening. Do you have something to hide? Shut up, let me answer, <laughs> fuck. But do you understand what I'm saying? The, the money, money is coming from, from Canada and, and the U.S. through organizations like the National Endowment for Democracy yep. and, and the, other groups. The International Republican Institute, which is basically the foreign wing of the Republican, Republican Party of the U.S. <laughs> Republican USAID. Party of the U.S. Republican and Party of the U.S. USAID as well. USAID. So, yeah. why, so all money is coming from the West. And mm -hmm. it's obviously it's not going towards 
the Lavalas movement. No. It's not going towards uh, helping Father Jean Gerard Jean Just, who's the priest mm-hmm. who was uh, imprisoned. Yeah, which is a supporter prisoner, of Aristide. It's not going to help yeah. in reinstate a democra- democratically elected president Aristide to the country. Why is it going to these imposing forces who are clearly? in the international community accused of war crimes and, mm-hmm. and, and I, well, other repression. To that, I would say it would be to basically force a neoliberal model of economy onto the Haitian government and make sure that that fucking stays in place. W- which would mean, just, just to further explain, and the neoliberal well, model on Haiti. Free capital flow in and out of Haiti, basically keeping it one of the poorest areas of the world. It's uh, it has some of the lowest labor and environmental regulations, which is good um, for business. Good, for very good business. for business. Um, one concrete example of say uh, of an existing corporate entity is Gildan Activewear, has who G Seven formerly bought T-shirts from when they said that they I were never Canadian did. made and union made. Yeah, basically, there's a sort of current of thought of Haiti basically being. The the exam the bad example like it's been beaten down so hard their regulations are so so terrible there labor wise and they've been held down so hard that it's like say and th- this has been accused of Gildan in Honduras where trade unionists are trying to get the the wage increased and this is something that Aristide did under his last term was he doubled the minimum wage uh, against. Huge opposition from from the elite, which is basically the the most wealthy elite by relative comparison to the domestic population in the Caribbean and Latin America. So in Honduras, they basically uh, were demanding higher wages there, and it came out through uh, through some sort of leak that the Gildan management offered the uh, the threat: if you want fucking more pay. We're going to take it to Haiti, and do you want to basically end up like Haiti is? Like fucking the classic sort of like uh, pushing things down to the lowest, lowest standard possible, and that low standard is obviously more easily exploited by, by capital. And, and uh, Gildan, they've put something like $150 million into sweatshop operations down there in Haiti over the last few years. And uh, the person that they contract these sweatshops from is a multi-millionaire fucking honky prick by the name of Andy Apade, who's basically making shitloads of fucking money off of fucking the poorest people in the fucking hemisphere. And it's fucking pathetic. It doesn't end with Gildan. There's SNC Lavalin is basically like sort of Canada's Halliburton that's sort of charged with doing a lot of infrastructure building down there. That's big, big, big money. And even bigger than that, there's like a lot of mining interests, particularly... Is that Hydro-Quebec? And Hydro, yeah. They just struck a deal over the last couple of days selling something like $5 million worth of electricity down there. Some, some very, very large corporate interests. And Canada's more or less taken the lead in what's going on in Haiti. And there's a different... Pers- like, if we continue to talk about why they're down there, there's a lot of uh, perspective that since we didn't get, go along with Bush, nominally, at least, in Canada with the Iraq war, even though we're supporting we it in a, lot of other, in a lot of other means, like significant financial means... This is a way of like Canada sort of getting back on board with the states and 
almost having a, like a like a little experiment with Canadian imperialism where we're taking the lead on this project against one of the weakest nations on the planet without its own army to defend itself or anything like that. And same with France. It's just like a way of sort of appeasing uh, America and corporate America and sort of like keeping themselves integrated in that whole fucking piece of shit system. Okay, Jar, we'll continue with this. You want to pick a song to go to? How about this one? Is there, there a long the song's over? Uh, is there back. a longer one? <laughs> um, you got any reggae by No Facts? We do actually. We just, just came in the mail some. today. Fuck, that's awesome, dude. They they don't have that drum beat on that song, but we'll be back right know. after this. Practice your jumps to this one. Was a new track from a band called Nofix. It was called The Marxists Are Brothers from an EP called Never Trust the Hippie. <sighs> I think I need to hear some crudos after that. When? Right. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> 
Jord, we're back with Jord. Hey. Back with Jordy Boy. Derek, you have a question for Jordy? Yeah, I'm just wondering, Jord, uh, we've been discussing uh, Western uh, support uh, for political factions and NGOs that are uh, working against Lavalas uh, and who are opposed to Aristide coming back to Haiti. To contrast this, if I can ask this question in any more of a long-winded manner. What did you say, long-wind? <laughs> Excuse me. That's Jordan not even our, that's not even our mic. That's not even <laughs> art? Network. That he said? That's not even our mic and you're farting on it. I recognize this mic. Don't think that it's the first time that it smelled like the inside of one's asshole. So <clears throat> I'm just wondering if, if you can uh, contrast that with, you know, when you were speaking earlier about the Duvalier regime, the dictatorship, what kind of support were they receiving from uh, the U.S., in particular National Endowment for Democracy, USAID? Was the, was the Duvalier dictatorship that came before Aristide supported by financially or, or, or in verbiage, <laughs> verbal equipage? By the West. Yeah. Well, and on top I of that, was it was the Duvalier uh, government, was it supported by the population of uh, Haiti? Definitely not. They were basically, the Haitian army was instituted to repress its own population. Uh, it was not instituted as an institution to defend from uh, intervention from external the outside. forces. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I think, yeah, if anybody takes a look at the U.S. history in Latin America and the Caribbean, you'll find a very consistent uh, constant where um, if corporate interests were threatened in an area, it didn't matter if the, if the government was democratic or not. They'd be, they'd be ousted and somebody would be put in power under a democratic title or, or without a democratic title as long as they basically just kept the capital flows going that were beneficial to U.S. business, and uh, the history with Haiti has been, you know, Aristide when he was in, and Preval the first time he was in power, they've always been forced to basically deal with IMF and World Bank kind of plans for the area, and that's... The the IMF being the International Monetary Monetary Fund, Fund and the World World Bank Bank being the World Bank. Basically extensions of U.S. foreign policy, more or less, and that's where... We find ourselves in the, the latest chapter of Haiti's struggle for independence against foreign occupation. Is this new multinational force that's there under the UN? All that cover to me is fucking horseshit to begin with because the UN Security Council is it's not a sort of democratic council. It's basically dominated largely by the United States, France, and the, the large powers, and uh, they just went ahead and got in there. Meanwhile, the African Union and CARICOM, which uh, basically... What is CARICOM? CARICOM represents the Caribbean nations. It's a, it's a sort of like a representative group of, uh, of, all, the, well, of all the Caribbean nations. And uh, the African Union for all the African nations. And they, they've basically, ever since uh, the coup happened, they've been demanding a, a full investigation into what happened in 
into what led up to the coup and, and basically what how the coup was executed. And their their pleas have been completely ignored by the UN Security Council and the UN itself. There's been, you know, a significant amount of talk, I believe, about it, but that's been their position on this is for an investigation to happen and it's just completely fallen on deaf ears and on the corporate media in Canada, the States and France. Like they don't exist, even though number wise the 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 amount of people that are represented by these organizations is much larger than the population of France and Canada and the United States. Yet they they don't uh, their opinions don't apparently matter because they're poor because they're poor and, and they, black they, and they're not white basically. Yeah. So as an example of the audacity of first world planners for what goes on and impoverished nations and lesser developed nations, the, uh, there was a, a roundtable discussion put together by the Liberal, Liberal Government of Canada where they were discussing the future of Haiti. And uh, I think that series of, or th- that meeting was largely influential in the decision to basically oust Aristide. This, this meeting that happened in Ottawa was attended by Madeleine Albright, well-known international war criminal, uh, wanted for crimes against humanity in a number of different cases. And uh, was also attended by local uh, piece of shit and politician fucking scumbag of the earth, Lloyd Axworthy. And coincidence, no Haitians were invited to attend this wait, meeting. Wait a minute. You're saying this was a roundtable discussion on Haiti, about yeah, Haiti's about, future, yes. and no one from Haiti was invited. Correct. Does that not seem insane? To me, that seems Does that outwardly seem... insane. Yeah. And for fucking a dink-eyed freak like fucking Lloyd Axworthy to hide behind his uh, veneer of concern over human rights and, and landmines, his, his landmine sort of thing and all that, the guy's just a scumbag. He's over at the UW. If you're ever in Winnipeg, go fucking knock on his door and fart in his face. Uh, hmm. Oops. All right. Whatever. So, George, I was uh, reading earlier today that Preval's win Hmm. in the recent elections are being viewed by some as an indication uh, that behind the scenes he may be rolling over, as they say, to Hmm. the West's demands. Interesting question. George, can you respond to that? Uh, Well, he certainly, I think there's a lot of back room sort of stuff going on right now to hold him to IMF and World Bank dictates and to honor certain trade agreements and all that kind of stuff to bring him into the fold of the neoliberal agenda, which I don't, I don't know the guy, eh? like I don't know what his, you don't his know plan Pavel? is, but under when he was the successor to Aristide the first time in the mid 90s. I think there were substantial gains that were gained under his presidency, but right now there's a lot of backdoor sort of fucking things going on. I think, yeah, like a lot of people do see it more as a victory for Aristide and for the Lavalas movement than for Preval itself, but I think a lot of people are, are hopeful and, and they just want people to start recognizing Haitian sovereignty and that if money is going down there to NGOs, that the disbursement of those funds be overseen by by the Haitian government so that it's, you know, not all being swayed towards opposition forces and to rich people. Essentially to destabilize. Yeah, to destabilize government. what's going on and further plans to start actually, 
you know, spending money on education, healthcare, and and. Oh God, when are you gonna shut up? I'll Never. Re- okay, well. Who me? You, Jordan. Why don't yeah, we just take not a break? No, he's talking to me. Uh, I'm not shutting up. Good. I'm gonna sit in here. Yep. Sniff this mic all night. Why don't we take a break? We'll come Jordan. back Monday morning. I'll still be here sniffing. Jordan, why don't you throw to a song? All right, here's another one. Uh, this is uh, in uh, imitation of uh, Mark the Butcher Chaplin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't get your fucking will nots all tied up in a triple knot over this song. It's a fucking good natured satirical barb. Okay, it here's a what's it called? Dumb all over. It's called. It's a Bye. racist, sexist, homophobic song by no. Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa, dumb all over. <laughs> Whoever we are, wherever we're from, we should have noticed by now our behavior is dumb. And if our chances expect to improve, it's gonna take a lot more than trying to remove the other race or the other whatever from the face of the planet altogether. Call it the Earth, which is a dumb kind of name, but they named it right, because we behave the same. We are dumb all over. Dumb all over, yes we are. Dumb all over, near and far. Dumb all over, black and white. People, we is not rap tight. Nerds on the left, nerds on the right. Religious fanatics over here. And the Bible tells the story and makes the details sound real gory about what to do if the geeks over there don't believe in the book we got over here. You can't run a race without no feet, and pretty soon there won't be no street for dummies to jog on, a dog is to dog on. Religious fanatics can make it be all gone and won't blow up and disappear. It'll just look ugly for a thousand years. Can't run a country by a book of religion Not by a heap or a lump or a smidgen Of foolish rules of ancient date Designed to make you all feel great While you fold, spindle, and mutilate Those unbelievers from a neighboring state To arms, hooray, that's great. Two legs ain't bad unless there's a crate they ship the parts to mama in. For souvenirs, two ears. Get down. Not his, not hers, but what the hey? The good book says it's gotta be that way, but their book says. Revenge, the crusades. And chains and hand grenades to arms, to arms, have another and another. Our God says there ain't no other. Our God says it's all okay. Our God says this is the way. It says in the book, burn and destroy. <laughs> Repent and redeem and revenge and deploy and rumble thee forth to the land of the unbelieving scum on the other side. Cause they don't go for what's in the book and that makes them bad, so. Verily, we must chop with them up, or stomp with them down, or rent a nice French bomb to poof them out of existence while leaving their real estate just where we need it to use again for temples in which to praise our God. Because he can really take care of business. And when his humble TV servant with white hair and a brown suit and maybe a blonde wife who takes phone calls tells us it's okay to do this stuff, then we're supposed to do it. 
Because if we don't do it, we ain't flying up to heaven. Depending on which book you're using at the time, can't use theirs, it's all lies, gotta use mine, ain't that right? That's what they say every night, every day. Listen, we can't really be dumb if we're just following God's orders. After all, he wrote this book here. And in the book, he says he made us all to be just like him. So if we're dumb, then God is dumb. And maybe even a little bit ugly on the side. Dead with bullshit tradition on G7 Radio. Jordy, I have a very serious question for you. Can a man have camel toe? <laughs> I have two of them. Camel toes, please. <laughs> fuck, I was wondering what you're laughing at there. I was thinking, fuck, it's my last part bubbling. What were you saying though about Haiti? <laughs> I hear um, that Praval has a giant sack that gives him a camel toe. <laughs> now, George. Fuck, maybe, is, maybe I do know him. Long lost brother. George. <laughs> if I was only black. Why? Why? George. No, Jordy. I want to say something Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Hurry up. Um, I mean, say it. No, like, I, I think, like, serious commentators on the Haitian situation, like, in, in, since Praval has been elected... And he's yet to be formally sort of introduced as the president of Haiti. This La Tortue is still kind of like the guy. They're biding as much time as they can to actually hand over power. And there's still runoff elections that have to happen in April to determine the composition of the legislative branch, which will go a long ways into sort of seeing how far progressive parts of their platform that can be instituted, like with health care reform, land reform, uh, you know, basically trying to do something with the terrible environmental situation there. Essentially what the balance of power will be. Yeah, and he's he's in a situation where he's like walking the fucking, you know, the tightrope where he's trying to appease certain Western governments that are probably wanting him to sign on the dotted line like I guess what President of Brazil was forced to do or he did out of his free will, which is basically not like to sign an agreement where he's not going to fuck with any IMF or World Bank sort of plans that were already in place. Now, for that to continue in Haiti would be disastrous for the Haitian people. I I think comparatively, Haitians 
poor Haitians that don't have access to computers or to fucking buying newspapers and stuff like that are way more politically educated than your average Canadian or American are. They know what the fuck's going on. They know what the IMF and World Bank is. They know that the IMF and World Bank and the American and Canadian and French governments fuck them up the ass con- consistently and are not acting in their interests. If that were a bad thing. It's yeah. a backdoor policy. <laughs> yeah. But um, so anyway, I think he's kind of like the 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 idea for like grassroots groups and citizens watchdog groups is to basically try to hold him to a progressive platform and to, when when certain progressive parts of the platform are starting to be instituted to be encouraging and to try to allow that to happen without meddling and when it goes off that course and starts leading towards more of a neoliberal agenda than to start giving him shit on that. Just to go on to something else, when you, when you were mentioning Aristide coming back into the country, I think a lot of people maybe voted for Prevel on, on the fact that he allowed uh, Aristide back into the country the first time he was taken out of power forcefully by the Americans in, in the mid-1990s. And that uh, that's one thing that the West doesn't want to see is Aristide coming back to Haiti. Because, he's, because of his populist yeah, policies. Yeah, which are definitely contrary to uh, the interests of Western transnationals and all that. And that he, you know, with, with Cuba and Venezuela and Bolivia and the things going on in the South that, that Lavalas and Haiti could sort of, you know, be another sort of block into that... Uh, alternative political route that's being developed down there. But Preval, uh, he has agreed that, that Aristide, you know, it's not up to him whether Aristide comes back to the country or not because the Haitian constitution guarantees that no one has to live in exile. And he basically said, hey, if baby Doc Duvalier wants to come back from his fucking mansion in France where he's been granted exile um, instead of somewhere in Africa, you know, by all means, he can come back too. So, I, yeah, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens with that. I think Aristide is maybe thinking of going back there and, and not uh, involving himself in the political arena in the short term. But uh, So still a very, interesting story. very tenuous situation in Haiti still. Yes. And another thing that, that's sort of like, like the destabilization that led up to Aristide's coup it involved like you know American support for former people in the military, and a lot of hostile elements were sort of granted exile in the Dominican Republic, and a kind of like a covert war being waged from the DR towards Haiti, and basically even like the refugee uh, flow that's created by these destabilization tactics by the West and and uh, illegalizing entire political movements has caused like a certain amount of flow of refugees that's capitalized on by other business interests in the Dominican Republic where you have people coming over the border without essentially any political rights or political identity. And on top of that, they've been, the the U.S. Marines have been setting up shop. Basically, the distance between Portage to Winnipeg is like that they're setting up camp about 80 kilometers away from the the Haitian border ostensibly in the Dominican in the Dominican ostensibly under the cover of of it being like a a medical mission headed by the US Marines there's about uh, 
I think about 2,000 American military personnel setting up shop, which a lot of people think is a message to Prevel as he's about to attain the presidency. You fuck up, and you're just going to fucking be ousted like the last guy. And it's like, fuck, there's how many, how many examples or precedents have been, you know, set in, in that area of the world with the Americans honoring a democracy till it gets out of their control and then they're just taken out and a dictatorship's put in or an interim government that is intensely anti-democratic and repressive towards populist movements and, uh, and then you, you, you basically shut off any sort of media coverage of it and nobody gives a flying fuck. Jord, why should the average Canadian care about what's happening in Haiti? That's a, a complicated question that I think a lot of people would have a different answer for. Uh, for me, I just think that the myth of, of Canada being a peace-loving nation and uh, that we're there to sort of help people build democracies and you know help with so-called humanitarian interventions and all that stuff is a bunk pile of horse shit that deserves to be discredited and buried and, uh, and that we can only hope to uh, improve our relations with people that we've fucked over by fucking helping them get back on their feet and allowing them to, uh, to proceed without interfering in their own self-determination. And I think the question being posed by Canadians, what can we do? The answer that's resonated most with me is um, this one guy basically saying, you pull your dogs off our backs and we'll get up and we'll fucking, we'll, we'll do what we've been trying to do for the last 500 years because we're not stopping. And that's like, a, for me, the most inspiring part of this is that up here we take so much for granted. Our privileges largely come from exploiting other people around the world and all we do with it is fucking watch TV in our spare time and not really give a fuck about anything else. And these people have been fighting for 500 years and they're not stopping. And, and neither are the people that are trying to exploit them. It's just a machine that's always grinding people down all over the world. Haiti's one, one example where it's particularly intense. But the spirit of self-determination is never-ending. They won't give in. And all they're asking is like, get your fucking occupation forces out and we'll take care of our own fucking business. And that's, fuck, that's what democracy is about. And anything counter to that is just fucking first world horseshit. I'll take that to the bank and I will smoke it. Speaking of smoking it. All right, Jordan. We can't thank you enough for coming in here. On yeah, busy that was my pleasure. Uh, oh, I'm glad you came in, really. Thank lear- you, guys. I've learned a lot today. <laughs> Me too. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? Wow, we could go on with this discussion literally forever. Mm, okay. Chris, what, oh, is it still rolling? Yeah, what, you, what a blooper! I didn't vote for the state of affairs. My emotional state got me prostrate, fearing my fears. In all reality, I'm underprepared. Cause I'm ready for war, but not sure if I'm ready to care. And that's why I'm underprepared. Cause I'm ready to fight, but most fights got me fighting back tears. Cause the truth is, really, I'm scared. Not scared of the truth, but just scared of the length to go to fight it. I try to hold my tongue, son. I try to bite it. Well, that's it. G7 Radio, episode three has come to a close. Hard to believe. Uh, it's pretty easy to believe, actually. That was another hour. I won't believe it. So, um, 
You know, I'm really sorry to all our listeners. We didn't get a chance to get to the paranormal investigation. Of the cemetery. Yeah, St. Andrew's Church. Nor did we get to the ALF live action. The Animal Liberation Front action. Yeah, but very near future. Oh, you better fucking believe it. Yeah. It was actually just a little cold outside. It's warming yeah. up now, so we'll and do it. Derek was wasted. But we do promise you, next month, I will be reporting on location from Porto Plata in the Dominican Republic on the mysterious Bermuda Triangle. Ah! That's next month on G7 Radio! Shakespeare. You've been listening to Jeez.